All right, at this time, I'd like to release the ambassadors and the warrior youth. You're welcome to go back, get trained up, equipped, filled with the word of God, filled with the love of God. Thank you so much for, for joining us this morning. So we're continuing in this series, Fast, Pray, and Praise. This could be the last week. I think it may be, but I'm not going to commit to that until I hear from the Lord. So, But I think we're going to continue to proceed forward uh, one more week. And this, this week's topic is a powerful life. How many of you want to live a powerful life? Do you know Jesus came that we would live a powerful life? Abundant life. Okay, so in John 10.10, this is a familiar passage of scripture that you guys know. And uh, uh, if if you go back, and I'm not going to read this this passage uh, before verse 10, but if you go back, uh, Jesus is talking about being the good shepherd and how the sheep know his voice and the sheep hear his voice and the sheep trust him. And so we talk about the presence of the Holy Spirit being resident in our lives so that we will know the small, still voice, his small, still voice, so that we can grow in that, so that we can trust him and we can allow him to lead us and guide us. Does anybody need some leading and guiding sometimes besides me? Amen. And having this personal relationship, personal intimate relationship with Jesus, we not only have eternal life with him, but we have forgiveness for all of our sins, And we can walk in victory, not just when we get to heaven, but here and now. Man, listen, when we get to heaven, you know, it's all going to be laid out there. We need some help now. And so we can walk in victory in the fullness of life now. John 10, 10, and and, uh, on the screen, you'll see some some words in, in parentheses. Those emphasis are mine. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them, you and me, a rich and satisfying life, or some versions say an abundant life. And so Jesus doesn't just say, okay, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you may have abundant life or or, uh, the fullness of life. Good luck with that. He gives example. I mean, we have his word. He gives examples and demonstrates how to live this out on a daily basis. Because that's what we need. He has dispensed the Holy Spirit to us to help us on a daily basis, to lead us and to guide us into all truth. Who is truth? And how do we know that? Because he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Everything, see, everything is tied to Jesus. And I I don't want to get ahead of myself in my, my next series, but In John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Everything was created by Him and for Him and through Him. Verse 14, and the Word became what? Flesh and dwelled among us. Everything is tied to the Word. Everything is tied to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is tied to Jesus. What did Jesus say? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And Philip says, well, just show us the Father. We'll be satisfied. And Jesus said, hello, Philip. Wow, I'm yelling. Man, I'm getting fired up here. Have, you, have I been with you all this time and still you don't know who I am? I just told you, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Father and I are one. The Holy Spirit and I are one. God is with us. God is for us. And he's, Jesus said, I go. He said, you don't understand this, 
But it's to your benefit that I go, that the Holy Spirit may come and lead you and guide you into all truth. Jesus left, but he said, I'm not leaving you abandoned. I'm sending the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the hope of the world. The local church is specifically designed and called to help us live the abundant life and train and equip others for the same. That's what God has called us to do, to intimately connect with him, but also share the hope. Jesus is the hope, to share the hope of Jesus with the world. And the local church is so vitally important for equipping us and preparing us but also so that there's a place where those that need to be trained and equipped outside of the church can come and be loved on. This is a safe place. Life Fellowship is a safe place. I love that line in Fire Fall Down, Jesus came to fix our broken lives. <sighs> We're all broken. We all have areas of brokenness. We were born broken. When sin entered into humanity, when Adam and Eve sinned, sin entered into our DNA. It's not our fault but sin is, are the results of disobedience. We see that with Adam and Eve. We see that in our own life when we disobey, when we step out of the bounds that God says is good for us. There are consequences. There are always consequences for sin. You may think you're getting by with it, and you may appear to be getting by with it, but the payoff is in the end. And James says in chapter one, sin, when it comes to fruition, it leads to death. And that could be physical death, it could certainly mean spiritual death. So that's why we just need to stay away from it. And I'm not talking about performing. I'm talking about receiving God's grace and allowing the transformation to happen in our hearts and in our lives. Romans 12, 2, be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That's where our challenge is. That's where the battle is in our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions, our thought processes. And so as we come into alignment with God's word, God's word begins to wash over us. God's word begins to transform our life into something different, into something that looks more like him. That's his greatest desire that we be transformed. Why? Because it's for our good, because he loves us that much. I wanna go to our core scripture, and we, we talk about this from time to time. Our core scripture is found in Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. These are the gifts Christ gave to who? The church. Is the church still in effect today? Yes. Is it still needed today? Yes. Okay, so are these gifts still applicable to today? And I was, I was having a conversation with someone recently. We were talking about how uh, some churches, some pastors, some denominations don't believe that there are apostles. Oh, the apostles were only the 12 apostles. And when they died, there were no more apostles. Um, oh, prophecy doesn't exist anymore. No. Well, that's contrary to what I know because I know people that are apostles. I know people that move in the gift of prophetic. And there are, there are times when, when the prophetic, God speaks to me prophetically. So I know that those things are real because I see them. I see them in action. And that's what we call a carve out, where we take the word of God and we carve out something to meet a certain theology or doctrine that's in place. We, we don't change the word of God to meet our theology and our doctrine. 
We change our doctrine and theology to line up with the word of God. Amen. So, you know, people will say, well, there's not apostles anymore. There's not prophets. Well, I would say, well, then there probably aren't evangelists anymore or pastors or teachers. Oh, wait, you are a pastor. Well, how can that be? How can you throw this out and say there's no more need for that, but you're a pastor, aren't you? So we need to take the whole word of God and we need to line up with his word, not what we think, not what we want, not what some denomination or something else tells us. What does the word of God say? That is the standard. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Their responsibility. See, there's a reason that God gave those to the church because there's a responsibility that goes along with that. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. And so if, you're, if God has given you the, the, the uh, uh, position or the authority or the office of an apostle, it's not so you can have your business card that says Apostle Bob Smith, Evangelist Bob Smith, Pastor Bob Smith. It's so that we can go and do the work that God has called us to do. I want to get ahead of myself, but I'm not. So let me just keep reading. This will continue until we all come to what? To such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be what? Mature in the Lord. That is the target. That's the purpose. And so God has created these offices so that the church will come to unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, Jesus, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Well, I'm doing pretty good. I'm better than they are. Well, you know, I'm not quite as good as they are. That's the wrong standard. The standard is Christ. And again, it's not about performing. It's not about a checklist of do's and don'ts. It's about a transformation of the heart that we come into alignment with his heart through understanding his word, through the direction of the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us that we are transformed. How many of you have tried to transform your own life? How well did that work for you? We can't do it. And that's really the point. So we give our life to the Lord, and he begins to work in our hearts and in our lives. So this is our core scripture, verses 11 through 13. That is our core scripture for Life Fellowship. But let's read on, because now we, now we get to see the results of those scriptures. Verses 14 through 16 gives us the results of the fruit we see from implementing verses 11 through 13. Then, what? What does then mean? It, it's referring to if we do these things back here, then we can expect this, right? Then we will no longer be immature like children. Well, are children immature? Yeah. Why is it? Because they're stupid kids? No. Because they haven't been taught. They haven't been trained. They haven't gone through the life experiences to help them understand. Hopefully, they won't have to go through some of the knucklehead things that we've gone through, right? Hopefully, we can say, listen, don't do that. I speak from experience. But, and that's why we're so intent on, in, on training up our children back there. And they're growing. And they're learning. And they're surpassing some of you guys. Uh. So ramp it up, guys. Come on. But really, our kids are learning and they're growing. What if, 
you know, some of you may be saying, man, I wish I would have had that kind of level of training when I was young, when I was growing up, that I would have been taught the word of God on the level that they're learning. So then we will no longer be immature like children. Let me ask you to ask yourself, don't answer, but how mature are you? If you could say, well, on a scale of one to 10 and Jesus being 10, where do you fall in that continuum? Where are you? Can you look back and see five years ago, 10 years ago, a year ago, six months ago, have you seen a change in your life? Has there been some growth and progress? That's why we talk about spiritual growth and maturity is a lifelong process. It's not like turning on a switch. Oops, I'm mature now. And if that's your thinking, you, you probably are not nearly as mature as you think you are. So it's a lifelong process that God is working and extracting things from our lives and implanting and imparting and backfilling in our life. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. So, you know, there are trends that happen in the church. Oh, everybody's jumping on this bandwagon or that bandwagon or... Listen, the, the bandwagon we need to be on is the solid word of God. The word of God does not change. Methods may change because 2,000 years ago, they didn't have Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and internet and jets and all this other stuff that we have. The, the message does not change, but the method needs to change. And so we're all about that. Whatever we need to do. Think if, the, think if when Jesus was here, he had the internet. I mean... Think of the impact that that would have had. Oh, oh, wait a minute. We have the internet. We have Jesus living in us. Hey, maybe we can make a difference. Imagine if you had to get on your donkey and ride across town to go minister. Now we just get in our car, except on 45, and you can get there pretty quick. On 45, that's, that's a count it all joy when you have trials and tribulations. Okay. So we won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching because we're, we know the word of God. And so that's why I encourage you, come on Wednesday night. We're going through the book of Romans. It's the word of God. It's an interactive Bible study where we're sharing. And many of you are participating in that and you're sharing things. And, and so it's great to share the word of God together. And it's like, oh, wow, that's a great perspective. Or that, that really helps me to understand what the word of God is saying. So it's an interactive Bible study. We're teaching our children the the word of God. We need to know the word of God. That's one of, that's part of our mission statement to develop, maintain a model, personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. We need to know the word of God. Let's read on. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Have you ever bought a lie? Come on, I know you have. It sounds so good, man. I can make a million bucks in one day. So, People will trick us with lies that sound like the truth. Well, there are not apostles today. There are not prophets today. Oh, really? And they have the arguments. But are we buying the lie? Because these are the gifts Christ gave to the church who's still in effect today, the body of Christ. So we need to know the word of God. Um, and we need to understand the truth of God, because I've heard some things before, and I'm like, that sounds really good, but that doesn't line up with the word of God. So the standard is the word of God, because we can lie to ourselves. Have you ever told yourself a lie and, and bought a lie from yourself? <laughs> Have you ever heard, oh, go ahead, it's okay. 
Everybody else is doing it. Just, just this one time will be okay. How many times have you said, okay, one more time? And 15 or 20 or 100 times later, it's like, one more time. Wait a minute. It was one more time way back then. So we will buy the lie. We need to buy the word of God and let it be uh, transforming our life. Let us be so saturated with the word of God. So that's why I'm encouraging you to join us as we finish con- uh, reading the, the Old Testament this year. And uh, the word of God will do something because the word says of itself, it says it will never return void without accomplishing what it was sent to do. So if I did a whole series for six months on Jesus wept, the shortest scripture in the Bible, and there's a lot there, God would be doing something. See, you know, the great thing for me, it's not up to me to deliver a great sermon. I, I study and I work hard and I prepare, but it's up to the Holy Spirit. And so he does something. And I know he's doing something all across this room and the people that are watching online because God is about doing something in our lives. That's that amazing grace that we sang about this morning. It's God's grace. So let's read on. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, so in other words, uh, that's not going to happen, but this will happen. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. So in order to speak the truth, hmm, we maybe need to know the truth. That would be reasonable, right? So we speak the truth because we know the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Growing in every way more and more like Christ. Because we all have pockets in our life that maybe don't look too much like Christ. Maybe we're doing good in this area, but not so good in this area. And our body, our life, let me put it this way, our life is not, should not be uh, segmented or uh, differentiated for different things. Oh, I have my work life. I have my church life. I have my, my neighborhood life. Our life is our life. And so God wants, wants us to look more and more like Christ. And that's not about wearing sandals and a robe and having a beard, okay? So just to be clear about that, uh, if you show up like that at church, people are going to think you're weird, okay? Just, just saying. So he makes the whole body, verse 16, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. It's not by accident or coincidence that you're here, that this is your home church because he is fitting us together perfectly. I'm glad I don't have five thumbs. You know, I struggle with one sometimes. But the body, just like our physical body is perfectly fitted together, the body of Christ is fitted together. The body of Christ is amazing. Our human body is amazing. How many times have you been sick? And, and if you think about our bodies, they're like these finely tuned reaction systems where everything is, when we're healthy and strong, everything is in balance. But if you get something out of balance, it throws everything off. And so it's the same with the body of Christ. We're perfectly fitted together, and we all need one another. I remember Pastor Don, when he came, our pastor from Corpus, he came a number of years back, and he, he gave us a word. Oh, are prophet, do prophets still exist today? Oh, yeah, they do. He had a prophetic word for us. He said, those who are supposed to be here will not be able to leave, and those that are not supposed to be here won't be able to stay. 
Because God has a strategic plan for us and a purpose for us, and he's bringing the right pieces together, and he's fitted us together perfectly so that we can go and do what he has called us to do. So the body of Christ is amazing in that regard. Look at, uh, take a minute or a few seconds, just, just kind of look around the room. Isn't it amazing? You see different people, different colors, different sizes, different shapes, and uh, God has connected us all together. That's an amazing thing. And so we all need one another. I'm getting ahead of myself now. Okay. He makes the whole body fit perfectly together, fit together perfectly, as each part does its own, what, special work. What does it do? It helps the other parts to grow. So that the whole body is what? Healthy and growing and full of love. So as we do our job, we help one another grow. I'm not talking about doing somebody else's job. Oh, I want to do their job. Well, no, you need to do your job. And if God wants you to do their job, well, then he'll share that job. But we need to do our job so that we help one another grow. So I need you in my life. You need me in your, in your life. You may be thinking, I don't know if I really need you in my life. But maybe I'm, a, maybe I'm sandpaper, you know, and you've got a, a few rough edges. We, the point is we need each other. And God has connected us together so that we can help one another grow. I love this. Here are the results. The whole or the entire body is healthy. You know, I, I look at Life Fellowship today, and we're healthier than we've ever been. Praise God. Why is that? Because we are allowing God to pour into our life and bring health and healing and wholeness to our lives in those areas where we're broken. And so we're healthy. Let me ask you to ask yourself this question. How healthy am I spiritually? How healthy am I spiritually? You probably know the answer to that. Or the, the Holy Spirit will show you. All right. The whole body is growing. Are you growing spiritually? Are you growing? Are you getting into the word of God? Are you coming on Wednesday night? Listen, God is doing some amazing things in this house. And God has spoken to me that we're going to see greater signs and wonders. That we're going to see him do greater things. And I've shared some of the things that I've seen happen already where people have, have gotten healed. But it's not me. I'm just simply praying for someone, and God is healing them. And I don't know why we still have pockets where, where Teresa and, and some of these people that are, that are part of our body are not completely healed. But I don't know. That's not my business. My business is to pray and obey and pray in faith and pray with expectation. So I still haven't figured that out. But I know that God is doing something, and ultimately it's his decision and it's just our decision to choose to obey and pray. Are you praying with people? Listen, unless you're in a coma or you never get out of your house, I promise you there are people that God is bringing across your life that you can pray with. And we just simply need to pray and obey. So I love this. The, the whole body is growing spiritually. And here's the target and the heart of, of what he's saying here. That the body is full of love. Yeah. Overflowing with love. That's it. Full and completely 
running over, filled with love. And this phrase here in the NLT is full of love, but in Greek, it really means to be built up in love. How do you build something up? It's kind of line on line. You, you prepare the, the soil, and then you pour the foundation, and then you build on something, okay? So this is really talking about being built up in love. What does it mean to build something? It means that it is in the process of being built, and so whether they're building a home or a building, God is building us up because we're in the process of being built to look more like who? Like Christ. The mission of Life Fellowship is what? You guys recite it. It's going to be on the screen so you can cheat if you need to. It's to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. Okay, don't put up the next slide. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, what are our values? Love, prayer, obedience, humility, teachability, unity, and service. Love is our first core value. I love 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Of faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these is love. We have 1 Corinthians. It doesn't have 13 on there. Take it down. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the greatest of these is love. And when I think about Life Fellowship, I think about what is the banner over this church, over this family? I think it's love. People come in and they talk about the warmth and the authenticity and the friendliness and the love of God that they feel. Not just from the pastor, that's his job, <laughs> but from you guys. So when people drive, even people driving by, Cliff and the team are out there waving. They're sharing the love of Christ. I talked to a lady the other day, and she said, oh, I drive by your church every day, and I see, or every Sunday, and I see people waving. I said, well, why don't you come in sometime? <laughs> Feel the love. Feel some love. Um, so we have a number of leaders in this house, and I want you to be trained, equipped, and discipled, and empowered, and released. I've been talking about, for a number of years, how God is opening doors globally for us to go to the nations. And last year, he began to do that, and this year, I, I don't know what to expect, but I'm saying, God, just continue to open the doors. Do you have your passport? Are you ready? Are you prepared spiritually? If I said, hey, listen, I've been praying, and I, uh, I, I feel like the Lord is saying that, that he wants you to go to Africa with us, are you ready? Do you have some vacation time stored up? Do you have your passport? Are you ready to go? If I say, hey, listen, I need you to, to uh, uh, prepare a teaching can you do that? Are you ready? The word says be ready in season and out of season, meaning you need to be ready now. Come on, let's get ready. And you can practice on your coworkers and your neighbors, all right? So they, they probably will benefit as well. So we have leaders in this house that God is preparing us to go forth. We're teaching our children and students the same, to be trained and equipped, discipled, empowered, and released because, you know, their, their peers, their friends, they need, they need Jesus too. Amen. And our children need to be equipped and filled with the love of God. John 14, 12 through 13, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do what? The same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. I believe we're not seeing the same works that Jesus did because I think we're lacking in that level of intimacy with our Father, with him. Because this has been a, a verse that's always perplexed me. Why does it seem like the American church is so powerless? But yet you can go overseas and all kinds of things are happening. People are being healed. People are being raised from the dead. Why aren't we seeing that here? 
I don't know. I'm not sure. But I think it's because we don't have this level of intimacy with the Father. Let's look at uh, John 5, 19. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He only does what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. The Father and Son are one. And so we see an obedience here. Are you being obedient when the Holy Spirit says, go and do this, go and pray for that prayer? Oh, well, you know, I don't know. They may think I'm weird or kooky or, you know, I, I, I like to keep my faith to myself. You know, I, I'm just not one of them. Go pray. They may need it. You need it. You need to step out of your, your comfort zone there. So our question should be, when we're faced with a situation, what are you doing, Jesus? What are you doing? What would you have me to do? What do you want me to do? Are we at a place where we're willing to trust him and yield our life to him on that level? And I'm not saying you have to get weird and kooky. Please don't get weird and kooky. Just be normal, okay? Uh, how do you define normal? I don't know. Okay, we'll just pray about that. Just be normal, okay? Don't be weird and kooky. But just go and, go, go and obey. Let's go back to John 14, 12 through 13. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it. Here's the key. So that the Son can bring glory to the Father. And as I mentioned a while ago, I believe the Lord has spoken to me that we're going to see greater manifestations of the presence of God and signs and wonders. Because why does God, why did Jesus heal people? One, to show that he had the power and authority and that he was God. But secondly, did it benefit those people? And think about some of the things he did. Spit in the dirt and make mud and rub it on your eyes and, and they were healed. Why did he do that? I don't know why. But I think the reason that Jesus healed people in different ways, because, man, we would make, if, we did, if he did the same thing, we would, we would build a, a whole altar around that thing. Oh, it has to be done this way. It's got to be this kind of dirt. We have to get dirt from that area in Jerusalem or wherever it happened. And we have to, you know, make sure that the spit has the right constant. You know, I mean, we, you know, come on. We get all twisted off on stuff like this. And so Jesus did things differently, I think, because the point was, it wasn't that he spit in the dirt. It was the point that he, he followed what he was being led to do, what the Father was telling him to do. And the results were, they were healed. Listen, if I'm blind, spit in the dirt, wipe it on my eyes, man. I want to see, you know, whatever it takes. And I believe that the Lord wants to do some awesome things. But let me ask you to ask yourself this question. Do you really, really really desire to be used by God in a powerful way? I mean, are we just playing church? Or do we really want to make an impact? Do we really want to be so in communion with the Father that, that we're, we're just connected to him and we're doing what he asks us to do? John 14, 12, and 13 again. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I've done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. I want to see everyone I pray for healed. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it so the Son can bring glory to the Father. Are we praying in accordance with God's will? Or are we praying in accordance with our will? Well, this is what I want. God, I pray for a Rolex watch. And I'm just kidding. I could care less about a Rolex watch. But 
you know, the thing is, is the son glorified through that? I mean, maybe he is. Maybe I get a, a Rolex watch. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't care about that. But if he wants to give me a Rolex watch, then that's fine. But am I praying in accordance with his will? And am I praying something that he's going to receive glory for? And so I, I shared with you a few weeks ago where I prayed for that, that lady and she got healed. And when I went back the, a couple of weeks later and she shared the story with me, we begin to thank God and praise God right there. And so many times when I pray with some of you, I'll say in the, in the prayer, I'll say, God, we will give you the praise and glory and honor. We're praying with expectation. And then when it happens, we, we, we do that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for, for healing, Carrie. That kidney stone is gone in Jesus' name. So we give thanks to him. And so how do we know if we're praying in accordance with God's will? How do we know? Why don't you just... Why don't you just ask him? <laughs> but, you know, we want to go and pray. And, and I, I got spanked uh, recently because I began to do something and move in a direction. And the Lord woke me up at 3.30 in the morning. And one of the things he said is, you're wanting to do this. You think it'd be a good idea to ask me first? I repented, man. I, I cried. I repented and and uh, I had to go back and talk to some people, and I profusely apologized. I said, I am so sorry, because I, I didn't, I'm, I made a decision without God's input, and God really spanked me. It's a lesson for me, so let it be a lesson for you. You don't, you don't want to get spanked, okay? So pray, pray and ask the Lord what he wants. And so are you praying in accordance with his will? Ask him, is it the Lord's desire or is it my desire? I want to see people saved and healed and get set free. And uh, I want to see people that are blind be able to see. I want to see people that are deaf be able to hear. I want to see the dead raised to life. And I'm not just talking about physically or spiritually. I think both. Because there are people that are blind to the things of God. And so we can pray and, and they can come into alignment with God and they can receive him as their Lord and Savior and have, have the blinders taken off. Or people that don't hear the word of God. They, you know, I'm just not hearing the word of God. Well, pray. You know, get into that quiet place and, uh, and, and begin to seek hard after God and, and you will find him. So I'm not just talking about physically being healed, but I'm talking about spiritually. People being set free and people being able to see and hear and raise back to, raise to life. And how can we hear from the Lord and have his heartbeat? Let me give you my three points. And I'm going to go quickly. How can we grow in our relationship with the Lord? By fasting. That's one way. You know, these aren't the only ways, but these are good, good ways to do that. So we can fast and we can seek him. Intentionally spending quiet time and denying our needs and desires brings greater connection to him. And let me be very clear. We're not talking about fasting for dietary reasons. We're not talking about some kind of ritualistic, legalistic thing. We're talking about putting aside food so we can intentionally seek him. And many of you experienced this through the last month where you connected, you understood the, the, the value in that and begin to hear the clarity of the Lord speaking to you. And so that's one way that we can connect with God. Listen, Jesus fasted. Jesus had, uh, you know, Jesus had an important job. Would you agree with that? I mean, if you were to look at his calendar, he probably had, 
you know, more stuff than any of us. Oh, Jesus, we need you to get to the hospital. We've got people over here that are sick. Jesus, you know, this person just died. Can you come over here? Jesus, CNN, we need you on, on TV, Jesus. Lakewood needs you. They, they, have, they want to do a couple of services. Joel Osteen's calling for you. The Pope's calling for you. Well, what did Jesus do? He took time to get away and fast and pray. He knew that that was imperative for him to do. And so if Jesus did it, I'm just saying, maybe we need to do it too. Okay. So fasting brings clarity to hearing the Holy Spirit. Desperate situations call for de desperate measures. When you need something, you'll, you'll, you'll do something about it. If you're in a desperate situation, man, listen, you'll get on your knees. You need to fast and pray and get God's heart sometimes. So fasting brings clarity. Fasting brings fresh revelation and understanding from the Lord. And I, I, I shared with you guys um, when we were going through our 21-day fast um, that the Lord was speaking to me every day, and he was giving me fresh revelation. He was giving me insight. I think during the 31 days that we did the devotional, uh, I think there were only three mornings that I didn't get something from the Lord, and usually it was later that day. He's like, uh, I've got something for you, but let's get into this day, and I'm going to show you something a little later down the road here. So fasting brings fresh revelation and understanding from the Lord. My second point is, how can we grow in our relationship? And that's through prayer, through seeking Him, spending time alone with Him. Prayer is not just throwing out a laundry list of all of our requests. I mean, that's okay, but are we taking time to listen? Are we taking time to hear His heart? Are we taking time to say, God, what do you want in this situation? This is what I would like to have happen, but what's your plan? What's your desire? What is your heart? So prayer helps us connect and hear from the Lord. And I talked about all these things through this series, so if you've missed the series, go online and watch the video or, or podcast. Prayer also brings fresh revelation and understanding from the Lord. So as we begin to incorporate fasting and prayer, it only amplifies and intensifies what the Lord wants to speak to us. A normal, healthy relationship requires uh, communication. How strong do you think your marriage would be if, if you never talked to your husband or wife? And so we need to have that kind of communication with the Lord on a daily basis, and we can have that through the presence of the Holy Spirit who is resident within us. Prayer in increases our intimacy with Christ. It, there's just something that happens as we spend time Prayer allows us to move forward. There are times when the Lord will tell me, no, I don't want you to do anything right now. Just wait. And then he'll say, okay, now. Now's the time to go. Now's the time to move. Um, how many times have we nursed, cursed, cursed a, re a situation? How many times have we done that? How many times have we worried about something? And then, uh, you know, you, you go through this cycle. Am I the only one that nurses, hearses, recurses, or what is it? Nurse, curse, rehearse um, a situation. And, and you, you have these things, you have these, this whole conversation. I'm going to tell them a thing or two. Mm -hmm. And when he says this, yeah, when he says this, this is what I'm going to say. Oh, and wait till they bring that up. Uh-huh. Boom, I'm going to get them. And we go through this whole thing. We have this whole conversation going on, and it may not even happen. <laughs> we get ourselves all worked up. How about, Jesus, will you take the wheel? Jesus, I'm stuck. Would you extricate me? Because, you know, I'm just stuck in this place. I need some help. 
Will you help me to lay this down once and for all? I have situations that I think about sometimes, and I don't know why. I'm asking Jesus to help me because I, I, you know, it's like, why do I keep thinking about that? Why do I keep going back to that? Why do I keep beating myself up with that? And Jesus says, come on, man, I've taken that. That's, that's history. That's the past. Press on toward the mark or the goal or the prize that I have for you. Don't go back. Just press on and learn from those things. Lord, will you give me your perspective? Will you give me your heart, God? So how can we grow in our relationship with the Lord? Fasting and seeking him through prayer, through praise and worship. These are just some very simple things that we can do. And these should be part of the fabric of our life. These are things that we should be doing, again, not as a ritualistic thing or a legalistic thing, but these are some practical things that, that will really help us grow in our relationship. If we're serious about the Lord, and I know that you are, then we're going to, to do these things. Um, they're very simple. It's God's greatest desire to pour out his love on you. If you don't get anything else from this message, know that God loves you. You may be sitting here today thinking, I'm not worthy of his love. Well, that may be true, but he loves you anyway. Yeah. It doesn't matter really what we think. It doesn't matter what someone else thinks. What matters is what he thinks. And what he thinks is you're my prized possession. That I love you. That I want to have a deep, personal, intimate relationship with you. I want everyone to have a, a real intimate relationship with the Lord and live a victorious life, live the abundant life that Christ came to give us. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Maybe you're here this morning and God is speaking to your heart. Maybe you had a relationship with him at one point in time and you walked away or, you know, maybe something's happened and that relationship has been broken broken. Maybe you never had a relationship with him today or before today. If, if that's you, if God's tugging on your heart, would you simply raise up your hand? I want to pray with you. There's no shame in that. The shame would be to walk out of this building and not experience this new, fresh beginning that he has for you. This is a safe place. Anybody else? Anybody else? Sir, I'd like for you to just pray this prayer with me. Just repeat. You can say it quietly or out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning. I submit my life to you. I receive your grace and your forgiveness. Today is a new day. Today is a new beginning. And I receive your abundant grace. And I thank you that I can take all of that stuff and leave it at the cross never to pick it up again. It's done with. That all that stuff, all my sin, all the regrets, all of that stuff was paid for at the cross by, cross, by Christ. And so I receive this newness and freshness of life today, and I thank you. Sir, I want to pray one more prayer for you. Lord God, I pray that you would fill this man with the fire and the power of your Holy Spirit that he would experience you in a way that he has never 
ever experience you, that he would begin to hear your small, still voice speaking to his heart, that you would bring things into him that would build him up and encourage him and strengthen him. Father, that he would let go of the past, that he would have the reality that today is a new day, it's a new beginning, it is a fresh start, and that you will empower him by the presence of your Holy Spirit to walk this thing out, to live the abundant life, that you will cause all of the, the memories and the bad the bad memories and the bad things in his mind that, that may want to keep him bound up in chains, that you would break those chains and that you would bring him into a place of realizing and understanding, really understanding your great love and the hope in Christ that all that stuff is gone and that today really is a new day. It is a fresh start that he will never, ever be the same because he has stepped over the threshold into the newness of life that you called him to. And Father, I believe that you have a powerful ministry for this man, Lord God, and I pray that you would begin to pour into him in a mighty way. And Father, that the, the years that the enemy has stolen would be instantly regained. Father, that you would refresh him and pour back. And he may be thinking, well, I'm too old to do what you called me to do years ago, but no. You're going to use all that somehow, Father. You have a great purpose and plan for this man. And Lord God, I pray that you would just fill him to overflowing with your love. And Father, I thank you and expect to see great change in his heart. And I, I expect, Lord God, that he's going to come back and, and, and testify of the wonderful and the powerful, powerful things that you've, you've done and you're doing in his heart and in his life and the doors that you're opening up for him. So Father, we just pray with great expectation and great excitement, Lord God. And we thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you open the blind eyes, that you open the deaf ears, that you bring the dead to life, that you touch our hearts, and you fill us with a greater measure of your love. Thank you, Lord. Let's take a couple of minutes. The band's gonna lead us in a, a, a reflection song, and, and let's just ask the Lord this morning. Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Do you have something else that you wanna share with me this morning? This morning as we go from this place, let's, where you be, let's be reminded of God's great love and grace for us. And just like this man this morning that has rededicated his life or given his life to the Lord, the word says that God's mercies are new every morning. And so we can step out, we can get out of bed, and we can step off into this new day. And remember that Jesus is the hope of the world and the church is, is a, a strong part of what he wants to use, the local church, as a catalyst and a mechanism to reach the lost and the dying. And uh, we have this EXO conference coming up on Friday and Saturday. Listen, I know you know people that are struggling in their marriage. And uh, you, even if you have a good marriage, you need to be here because God will continue to work in your heart and your life. So help us get the word out. They can call the office. It's, it's only $25 a couple. It's going to be awesome. And, and if you want to come or you know somebody that wants to come and they don't have the money, don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. But let's pray that God would give us, continue to pour into us the kind of love that he has for us and others because it's love that will change the world. It's love that changed the world. 
So go out and love those whom God places in your path. Give one another a hug on the way out. Go out and live it. Make a difference in your world. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you Wednesday night at Bible study. You're dismissed.